By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, by the fire that is her bright spirit, by the living waters of her womb. May the peace of the goddess be forever in your heart. The circle is open but unbroken, merry meet and merry part. By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, by the fire that is her bright spirit, by the living waters of her womb. May the peace of the fairies be for Karen? Hello? Karen, I don't know if you can hear me, but just so you know, the voice said unmuted, so I imagine I'm unmuted, but I hear nothing. Hello? Hello? Hi, this is Shauna. Oh, hi, I'm listening in. Oh, you're just listening in? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm supposed to be the guest on the show, but we're clearly having technical problems. Hello, this is Shauna. I can't hear a thing. Hello. 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 Calling in to hear the show. Who's this? Uh, This is Jennifer. Oh, hey, Jennifer. Are you a listener? I am. Okay. This is Shauna. I was supposed to be the guest, and we're having technical problems, clearly. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I 
it, it's possible Karen gave me the wrong number. I think it sounds like she gave me the number to listen in, although I hear nothing. Do you hear anything, Jennifer? Can you hear her speaking? No, but they have you your number posted on the website to call in to listen to the show. And there's no Gosh. other way to listen. Right. Okay. Well, are you? Did you call the number? Did you call seven one eight seven six six four six six two? That's the number that's on the website. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. All right. So. All right. Me too. Okay. Well. Maybe she's I'll, not I'll, on yet. No. No. I've received emails from her because she said she can hear me, but. I cannot hear her. There, there's some kind of clearly blog talk radio. Sometimes this happens, and they just have these technical glitches. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well I, mean, I can't hear the show. <laughs> well, I mean, it might be reconciled. Okay, now it says I'm unmuted. But again, I hear nothing. Hmm, get a call back. Shona, is that you? Oh, my goodness. Is that you, Karen? Yeah, you know what? I so apologize. Um, I, You know, I, I was struggling there. I could hear you. I could hear Jennifer. I think, and um, I think there must have been something wrong with the phone I was on. Um, I've never had that happen before, so I apologize profusely. Well, thank you for your patience. Uh, I've actually never had that happen in 10 years, <laughs> so uh, I, I was quite at a loss, uh, to be honest with you. I uh I, I wasn't sure uh, where the issue was coming from, but I'm glad we uh, we figured it out because I've been looking forward to speaking to you. Um, so let me sort of get uh, back on track here. And um, what I had uh, what I had been saying, and hopefully it's recorded, uh, is that uh, you know I was looking forward to our interview tonight, and uh, our the title of our show is a conversation with a modern medicine woman and uh you're and you of course or she and uh, we're going to discuss uh, the importance of uh, calling the wise woman back uh, to a modern culture of people who have lost their way and um you're going to tell us how to reclaim our lost culture and uh, open to the ancestor of the ancestors um i'm particularly interested in uh uh, some of the work you've been doing with uh, plants and fungi, and um, mm. uh, I want to know more about, um, you know, you described that uh, we've had a spell cast on us, and I, mm. I want to know a bit more about that. But uh, before we jump into our chat, uh, why don't you um, share with listeners um, what you would like them to know about yourself and your biography and the work that you've been doing? Okay, my goodness, where do I start? Well, I have been at this for uh, over a dozen years now uh, on this uh, just path of, of tremendous awakening. When I was a young girl, I had the ability to kind of know things, just know when things were going to happen. 
Um, and I used to talk to the fairy folk when I was younger, um, although, you know, none of that was taken seriously by the folks around me. And, and you know, like all sort of westernized children, you know, was, that was, quote, unquote, just your imagination. So in any case, um, you know, I proceeded to kind of grow up like everybody else and become assimilated into this artificial construct that we call Western, modern Western culture. And it really wasn't until I got a face slap at 40 when my marriage ended uh, that I, I, I really um, went into deep, deep uh, seeking and, and just very organically. I found a teacher named Brew Joy. I went to work with him in the desert um, in Arizona for 10 days. And we had three days of fasting and silence. And I went out there and created a circle knowing nothing of Sham shamanic anything. I just worked very intuitively and uh, really um, kind of burst myself in that circle out in the desert. And uh, and then after that, I was deeply committed to uh, the shamanic path, if you will, and continued to work with Brew. And I worked, found a beautiful shaman teacher in the Yucatan, Miguel Angel Vergara, and and uh, and then started hosting women's circles. So for four years, I held monthly full moon circles. I would have upwards of 30 women come to my house. And so that taught me an awful lot in terms of holding ritual and uh, working with the spirits and working with uh, other women. And I had a private practice, which continues to this day, which has morphed. And I actually work um, with people all around the world via Skype and in person. And it is uh, like working with a wise woman, uh, uh, very kind of therapy. I hate to say it's like therapy, but people come to me because they are lost or they are suffering, whatever it is. And I have the ability to listen beneath and between their words and I am able to uh, take them back to what I call the origination point of the wounding, which all, always happened at some point in childhood, and that passed the patterns. And then the rest of the story is really symptomatic of what happened back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then my work is very shamanic in how I, you know, address it and help them to heal. So, Shauna, your work, would you would you credit your ability to be able to do your work and uh, do that uh, that shamanic healing and, and most of what we're going to talk about tonight, would you credit it to your work with, uh, you know, with the plants and the fungi or does it go beyond, um, you know, just the, you know, the, the mushrooms, you know, the sacred mushrooms? Okay, I, I would say yes and. I will say that... For, I'm 52, so for eight years, basically since I hit 40 or so, for eight years I was a devoted student of the mystery, and I still am to this day. But it wasn't until after eight years of, I think of it maybe, I don't know, call it psycho-spiritual work, however you want to think of it, that then I engaged working with the visionary mushroom, the psilocybin mushroom, if you will, and uh, I have a book out called Love and Spirit Medicine, which is on Amazon, and it is really the only book out there written by a woman that details a woman's experience of what happens to you, in my case, in midlife when you know your marriage is ending and 
and then and, and and you're a shamanic woman, and then you engage the mushroom, which I did every month for a year, uh, mostly outside in nature, lying down in the dark, eyes closed, there, which with great reverence, ritually. And it really, for me, was a kind of soul's training. And that was over four years, four and a half years ago now. And and my work has changed dramatically in that uh, I came into uh, um, an ally in the form of an owl through my work with the mushroom. And I will say that two years before I began working with the mushroom, I was in the Yucatan working with my shaman teacher who took me to an old Mayan shaman. And he gave a, did a blessing and did some work on me. And then I went to leave, and he went running after me, and he gifted me an owl amulet. And I remember at the time wondering, well, that's nice. I wonder why an owl. And it wasn't until two years later when I began working with the mushroom that that ally came to me. And so uh, in terms of the shamanic path, this is nothing new. Uh, we have, as a people, have been working with plants and fungi for untold thousands of years. Uh, they are a portal. They are, I would think, the oldest teachers on the planet. I always say, which came first, the shaman or the mushroom, or you know, the <laughs> shaman or the ayahuasca, right? And so they teach us, and the face you show is the face you get back. I do not do drugs, per se. I don't take pharmaceuticals. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke pot. So you know, this for me was the only way I knew to approach this was through ritual and with reverence, and right. uh, I have not looked back. Well, you know, whenever I speak to someone who uh, who are using either sacred mushrooms or ayahuasca or uh, some sort of teaching um, plant, I guess we can call it, um, they're always careful to say, um, you know, make sure it's done with reverence, make sure it's done in ritual, make sure you have uh, someone, especially the first time, leading you through the process. Um, do, you, do you agree? And if so, do you want to speak to that a little bit, maybe for people who have been contemplating doing something like this but um, haven't maybe taken the plunge? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, first we have to all understand that we are taught to abuse in this culture, and alcohol is legal and it is glamorized. And uh, in the words of my friend Annie Oak, it is an inferior drug. It is no portal, as we know. It causes egregious damage to people's psyches. Many people, uh, not everyone, but many people. Um, and so. I would say also I would guide you to my website, which is shaunahome.com, because there are uh, uh, talks that I have given that are recorded that you can find on my interviews page where I speak to this medicine, and plus my book, Love and Spirit Medicine, speaks to this. Uh, and, you know, I started with big doses outside in nature, but, but in a, you know, very safe, always very safe and contained, but I actually wouldn't recommend a big dose, even though there are people who do, uh, especially if you've never done this before, there is uh, talk of set and setting, and I actually will be writing an article on that for a new online magazine, which will launch in March called Awake.net. Set and setting means you create a very safe place where you can go into these realms, and uh, and so that's a place where you know you won't be disturbed, uh, you'll be warm and safe and and then have a, a sitter, you know, a, a good friend maybe who is in the other room 
uh, or nearby, just so you know you can travel and you can go deep uh, and someone is there kind of looking out for you in the 3D world while you travel these other realms. And uh, again, important to note that you know, these uh, sacraments or medicines, whatever you want to call them, they were used in the mystery school, they were used in the temples, and it was done with high ritual. And those people were master pharmacologists. So they knew very well, you know, what the dose should be and what the mixture should be. I mean, they were using all kinds of different, you know, herbs mm-hmm. and fungi and, and even psychoactive honey and that kind of thing, psychoactive mead. And, uh, you know, people would, particularly women, would prophecy with these sacraments. But again, you know, it was done with great care and, and, uh, and thought. And, and, you know, we, most people when I hear them say, oh, yeah, I did mushrooms in college, you know, at a party or whatever. Or you hear people who, you know, went out in the forest and they had a really incredible experience, you know. But more often than not, it's done very haphazardly because there are no touchstones in this culture, you know, to to give us the information we need. I mean, they're they're uh, they've been made illegal, and uh, so and and you know, I there are people out there sort of hosting circles and you know, giving people these medicines, and it'll cost you whatever it costs you two four hundred dollars, whatever. I don't do that. In fact, the mushroom informs my work. But my work doesn't involve the mushroom. Uh, yeah. but it has made me a very good medicine woman, very good. Well, and, and you know, another thing about that, you know, I mean, uh, I've had a number of people invite me to, you know, be a part of their group, you know, try do ayahuasca or something like that. And I've been really hesitant because I wonder, um, you know, how do you know if, uh the you know the quality of the ayahuasca or the mushroom you know um that 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 seems at least to you know maybe i'm that shouldn't be such a concern uh but it but it did concern me because like you said you know a lot of these things um are not particularly legal and you know and, and all of this is underground so it it's not regulated in a sense um do you have to be concerned about that well i actually think you are very wise to be concerned because this isn't something that we would do lightly and ayahuasca is big business there's a whole ayahuasca tourism of people jetting off to the amazon and there are some very dangerous uh, shamans out there who are sexually molesting women, so you really have to do your due diligence uh, and make sure that, you know, you do all the uh, research on the place you're going to go to, you know, to fit if you're leaving the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here you need to talk to, you know, people you trust firsthand who have worked with whoever the practitioner is and, uh, I mean, that's really your best bet, and then just use your, your own judgment. But, you know, we, especially as women, have to be very careful because, uh, you know, especially with the ayahuasca, there is a lot of sexual misconduct, to put it lightly. And, yeah. um, and you know what? We as women have to take some responsibility here as well. You know, if we're going yeah. to place ourselves in someone else's hands, we better darn well do our 
uh, research and maybe have someone else, you know, with us, a trusted friend who can look out for us and that kind of thing. And, and that said, there are also some very, very, very good and trustworthy uh, shamanic practitioners out there. But again, you know, you've just got to really, really be very careful. Um, when this magazine comes out, awake.net, we're actually going to be listing some of these people. Obviously, they'll probably be outside the country. Uh, but, yeah, in, you know, we want to make that information available for people. And with the mushroom, uh, again, you know, there are these folks. It's big business, you know. And I have had opportunities sent my way, like, oh, you can come and, you know, lead a group, and that could be, you know, a few thousand dollars for me if I really wanted to. A, I don't make it a business for myself. Uh, B, it's dangerous. You know, I have two girls. I really don't want to spend any time in jail for doing a crime that harms no, I mean, a crime. Woo! Sure. Doing something yeah. that is thought of as a crime but harms no one, you know. Um, so, so, and mushrooms are a gift from Creator. I mean, they grow in the earth, and so if you can you know, do your research, and if they grow near you, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, so, you know, they're abundant here, and you can learn how to uh, identify them, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, work with them in a safe place. I'll tell you, the thing that I do love about the mushroom is it's a very individual path in that ayahuasca um, is a tradition where you are in a group with a shaman. And, and for me, I actually I find, you know, the whole path of the shaman, it really it doesn't fit into our current narrative, which is a very collectivist narrative right now. Uh, the shamanic path is, is really one of spiritual self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mushroom is no exception. Uh, I see the mushroom almost saying, well, let's see what you've got. Because, you know, mm-hmm. even for myself, there was there was no shaman to guide me. So all I knew was to approach it with respect and, yeah. uh, you know, have an offering. And, you know, and then the rest, it's like the face you show is the face you, you get back. But I was always in a safe container, you know, yeah. and able to go into those realms. Yeah, so it's a very individual journey, but remember you're in a vulnerable state when you're right. under the influence, so you have to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be very cautious. That's probably a good way to sum it up. Yes, and, and you know, I really just kind of put myself out there as an older feminine voice for the reverent use of these medicines because uh, my entire life changed as a result of my work with the uh, mushroom and uh, it, it, it is tremendously has the capacity to be tremendously healing for uh, uh, depression, even uh, cluster headaches. Uh, you know, helps you illuminate things that that uh, maybe blocks that we are experiencing. You know, it gives you that uh, expanded state from which to see something from a very a very different perspective, and it also is an intelligence, and it will work with you. So, you know, it has great benefit, and again, you know, we need a little more of, uh, you know, instruction, you know, people who are new to it, in other words, you know, just to make sure that they they are safe. 
That's what's important. Well, when you said that you, well, you, when you said you approach it with reverence, I mean, I, I understand that would be the state of mind you go into the journey with. But I think you said something about you make an offering. How would how would you do that? I mean, would you just well, like make an offering to the earth, or? I I I, I make an offering to the earth. Uh, I do. So I usually try to do it outside. And the oldest offering ever, I think, pretty much, is honey. And so I just gift a little bit of honey to a nearby tree, to the spirits, to the local spirits. I like working with the local spirits. It's also why okay. I like to be out in, in nature. And, uh, and I also use either sage or copal, and I will walk a circle three times with the copal around the area where I will be lying down in. Casting a circle is an act of power. It's a very magical act. You are creating a boundary and you are creating a magical space from which to work. And then that copal or sage is saying, all right, nothing gets past this ally without its permission, you know. And then I call in the directions and I call in Mother Earth, who I call Mama and... uh, and then I hold the mushrooms to my heart, and I, I, I thank the portal. I thank them, and, and then I go in to learn. And, and sometimes if I have something I am working on, you know, I will go in with that intention. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and how, do you, yeah. how do you know how much of the mushroom to take? I mean, is it just a portion, or is it a whole one, or is it several? Or, okay, um, or, well, well. When I started, I was listening to an amazing man who unfortunately has passed away in 2000. His name is Terrence McKenna, and he was brilliant. And so he spoke a lot about the mushroom, and he would advocate using five dried grams. And so that's what I started with. He called that a heroic dose. It's too much for most people, I will say right now, truly. I mean, there's people with different opinions, but I think that's far too much for someone who's just starting, better to, you know, start with less and then fine, you have a light journey and then you can do a little more the next time should you choose that. And so, so five, I would start so with five grams is a lot. It's that's a lot of mushrooms and I've done even more than that and that's just what I do and, and well what that does is it takes you very, very deep. You're on your back. You're not walking around on five grams. I mean Maybe some people, but not me. And, uh, and so, but, how, but, how know, long of a how long of a journey would that end up being? Uh, usually around four hours, four maybe five hours. And 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 the thing is, you know, you can create a beautiful place, either a safe place outside of nature or in your home, you know, and 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 just make the space really beautiful and the lights. Uh, I like I like silent darkness. But some people do beautiful music, um, and they'll have a candle lit or something, you know, so they have a beautiful space. But it's also really nice to go into the forest with a friend, if you want, and do just maybe one gram, and then, like, things come alive. You are able to see more than we can see, you know, when we are not ingesting that teacher. Okay. And so the okay. trees come alive. They'll speak with you. You know the ferns, the flowers. It's uh, 
it's extraordinary. And again, you know, I want to stress, this is ancient, ancient. We've been working with this kind of thing for long, long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think about the mysteries of, of Demeter, you know, when they would have the, um, uh, you know, the the Eleusian mysteries. I mean, for the mm-hmm. longest time, uh, they were trying to decide what it was that happened uh, during those Eleusian mysteries. And uh, I think they finally fig- it determined that they thought, uh, um, you know, the people who were leading the ritual, you know, were were sort of guiding the journey and guiding the participants. And, you know, I think they gradually got them to a point where they believed they saw Persephone appear from the underworld. Uh, but it was with the aid of some sort of hallucinogenic drink, um, which I and, and I mean, well, you may know more about this than I, but I think um, uh, you know, be you know, mushroom was probably part of it, and maybe some of the like the honey you mentioned. Yeah, the drink was called the Kykeon, I believe, K Y K E O N, and they and and people would come from all over Greece. They would make a pilgrimage to experience this ceremony and it went it continued for I think around 1100 years so it was very very old ritual and there were the priests and priestesses at the temple and uh, and so they would uh, give you the kakion and they think that it was made with ergot which is a fungus that grew on uh, grains there on the beach oh Oh, hang on, I'm sorry. No problem. It has been a crazy night here. Please go <laughs> ahead. That's Keep right. going. <laughs> it sounds like we we've got trickster spirit to put here. <laughs> I know. I, I'm thinking what did you what did you bring to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Shona? <laughs> I think I'm just, maybe just some, yeah, some tricksters. They're just having fun. They're poking fun. <laughs> Maybe so. But go ahead, finish up. You were talking about the ergot. Yeah, ergot. And so it, it is similar to LSD. Uh, it has lysergic acid in it. And so it, 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 it you know, it, it is in, well, an entheogen. These, these substances are known as entheogens, which means generating the God within. Uh, they take you to a very sacred place within you they really illuminate that and so people would come and experience the mystery of Demeter and you know her descent into Hades uh, or not Demeter but her daughter Persephone's descent into Hades and then her you know rising up in spring to rejoin her mother Demeter and so it was the mysteries of uh, really the dark and the light birth death regeneration and mm-hmm. uh, and and then they were forbidden to speak of it. So we really don't know, you know, how exactly the ceremony went. Uh, you know, no one was permitted to speak of it upon punishment of death. So they weren't screwing around. <laughs> uh, right. And then we oh, have, to have a the, time machine, right? Yeah, I wish. And we have the temples, uh, uh, the temple of Delphi and Dodona, the oracles at those temples, those women, they were part of a guild. And they, too, uh, uh, it was said at Delphi that um, they would sit on a tripod over a crevasse in the uh, earth below, uh, connected to a cave where this ethylene gas came out, 
and they would do it only on certain time of the month. And that would uh, take them into high trance state where they could connect with the uh, deity, in that case, Apollo. But before that, it was dedicated to Gaia. And there there was the gas, but they were also um, drinking different brews, one of which yeah. was a kind of mead, a kind of psychoactive mead. And there actually is a psychoactive honey that is still found in Greece. And it comes from the rhododendron ponticum and the azalea pontica. And uh, if you have too much, it'll make you sick. But again, let's remember, these were master pharmacologists. Mm-hmm. They would know, you know, how right. to create these, these brews. Now, or, or I'm curious, I mean, since you seem to know so much about the, you know, the pharmacology of these sacred herbs, have you heard of something called uh, the uh, witch's flying ointment? Of course, yes, yes, with uh, penbane and mandrake and belladonna and, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that goes into Europe. Uh, and this is the other piece, too. I, I want to say that, you know, I was, I opened up to this whole shamanic piece, you know, with, a, um, you know, a European man, teacher in, in uh, Arizona, and then found my way to the Yucatan and uh, delved very deeply into the Maya mysteries. And then interestingly, when I did start working with the mushrooms, uh, the teachers of that uh, fungus said to me, you must embrace your own bloodline your own ancestry. There is great magic in your ancestry. And so I am a woman of Celtic roots and North Germanic. And so, yes, the Europeans were just incredible uh, shamanic race of people. It's just the Romans got to us sooner, you know. And I see a lot of, like, white shaming right now that I'm noting in our collectivist society. And and yet uh, Europe, Europe was home to, you know, very, Europeans are noble races of people, and so um, that witch's uh, uh, ointment was, it was said that it was sort of spread on broomsticks, and then it would be, the broomstick would be rubbed on uh, the female genitalia, because tissues are very absorbent, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't ingest those, because they were highly poisonous to ingest, but if you you know, rubbed them on the skin, took them in that way, uh, you know, it was obviously safer. And then they would they would go into high trance state, uh, um, leave their bodies often. So that's why, you know, you think of them as flying through the air. Right, and, right. Uh, oh. You know, commune with, with the spirit. And, and also, by the way, uh, the Germans, I know, were using this. They would They drank a lot of mead and a lot of ale. And the alcohol content was only about two to five percent. So, in other words, it was used as a solvent. Whereas these days, they give us like straight solvent. Mm-hmm. Back then, the mead and the ale were spiked with different herbs, and they would be spiked with herbs like henbane. Um, mead would sometimes have, uh, or ale would have mushroom, uh, psychedelic mushroom in it. And right. you know, they would sit in a circle and drink, and they would commune with their pantheon of gods and goddesses yeah so. well and i don't i don't know if have you seen perhaps on television or maybe some of the listeners have uh that the new show that uh well it's it's you know it's it's on hiatus right now but i think it's about ready to come back in january or march uh the vikings 
uh, because you you see a lot of that actually they portray it in the series where um, you know they do quite a lot of the mead drinking and it's uh, and you know that you know they they must have some hallucinogen in it um, you know because of you know obviously you know what you see in mushrooms is another one of the um, uh, you know, uh, you know, type of plants they take, but it's just so interesting to actually see it portrayed on television. You know, because it's not usually something you see too often. No, it's not. But I think they're probably responding to a growing interest in people who are uh, seeking more information. I think about their ancestry because, really, when you think about it, you know, living in this country, our, uh, you know. Forefathers came here from Europe, different places in Europe, and um, and we really have lost touch with our own culture. And and so yeah, so television. I would imagine some of these shows are really responding to that. I don't actually own a television, so oh, okay. I've never seen that show. But uh, I've heard from other people, you know, really enjoying it. Um, there is an, uh, an a very excellent scholarly and also I believe he's a high magician author. His name is Edred Thorson, and he's done a tremendous amount of writing on the Norse uh, traditions and the magic, and uh, he's fantastic and goes into the runes and uh, would highly recommend reading anything by him that you can get your hands on, actually. Okay. Uh, you want to say his name again? Edred, E-D-R-E-D, Thorson, T-H-O-R-S-S-O-N. He also goes by Stephen Flowers. He's, he's, and you can find his books on Amazon or Aid Books. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, and I want you to be sure to give the title of your book again. And, and uh, the things we're talking about tonight, uh, would some of this actually be in your book? Or did I just yes. you know, sort of take you down a more circuitous route? Well, no, no, no. This is this is in my book is called Love and Spirit Medicine and it is autobiographical because when I first started working with the mushroom, again, I don't you know, I don't do quote unquote drugs and so I didn't know really much about it. I didn't know anything about like the psychedelic movement or, you know, any of the people and you know, I knew nothing. I was brand new to it. So I read every book I could find on the subject and I was frustrated to see how many of them were written by men, and these are excellent books, and I don't consider myself a feminist per se, but I was wondering where the hell are the women's voices? And really in the psychedelic realm or arena, um, it has been really dominated by the guys. And the women are sort of been portrayed, at least in the 60s more, they're sort of on the arm of the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet what I say is I speak on this uh, quite a bit, is that plant medicine has long been the domain of women. Mm-hmm. This is, women know this. We can access irrational states, you know, without the medicine, so that when we, uh, when we do work in, as an ally with a visionary medicine, oh, boy, can we go there. Mm-hmm. We can go mm-hmm. there, and it's not you know, so much an intellectual exercise for us. And this is what I was sort of feeling like, huh, for a lot of these guys, it's more like an intellectual exercise, whereas for me it has been, you know, direct communion with the spirit realm and has resulted in these very profound allies that work with me in my everyday 
shamanic work with people very effectively. I mean, I am a medium, and, and, and the thing is, I was before I started working with the mushroom, and so I will say also that it really works with you in terms of your own imprinting. In other words, this is not state-run public school. It's not one-size-fits-all. The medicine is very individual. It will vary from person to person to person. Whatever your makeup is, it will respond in kind. And uh, so my book details this year-long experience and how I approached it and what my experiences were. Uh, But it also details, because this is what we women do, we tell the story we share from our heart, and it goes into the demise of my marriage. I explore my own shadow and my own role in that and the tremendous wisdom that I acquired, which was hard won through a lot of pain. And, you know, the mushroom took me deep into my deepest wound. You know, this is a path that is not for everyone because you will be initiated, and initiations are not always easy yeah, they're they're not but, fun. I, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I mean, you think of like a college initiation, uh, uh, n- nothing like that. I wouldn't imagine. You know, you have to look at uh, look at things you might not really want to look at and see things you don't want to see. That, well, yes, thank you. And and this is really what I am. I am a seer, and a seer doesn't get to choose. She has to see the whole picture, and of course. Where does the wisdom come? And, you know, we don't get to be in preference, in other words. And uh, that dark that dark well that we go to sometimes, that's where the resources are. Mm-hmm. That is where the resources are. But we are taught in this ridiculous culture, infantilized culture in which we find ourselves, oh, no, you don't want to feel that. Here, just take this pill. Here, take these antidepressants which are, you know, they're handing out like candies to people. Right. You know, for well, the least little... Well, and, and I I think um, it, it's sort of a, a symptom of uh, of so much. I mean, you know, not only do they not want us looking within, because to look within may help us, you know, find strength. You know, maybe we stop being sheeple. We start to use critical thinking. We become mm-hmm. empowered. Um, I mean, hopefully those things all happen. And um, I, I don't think the powers that be out there, you know, the people that are shaping society, I don't. I, I think it's easier to control the masses if you keep things shallow, keep them distracted, and, you know, don't ever, uh, you know, and, and even for that matter, uh, you know, I'm of the opinion that our educational system, uh, you know, and, and maybe even intentionally, um, isn't as good as it could be, you know. Uh, they don't teach people to be citizens anymore. They don't teach people so much about critical thinking because, you know, we're more easily controlled um, if we don't have um, a sense of who we are. You know, we're, we're just, uh, you know, easy to lead around by the nose. Yeah, I have a friend who calls the public school system the public school system. Uh, it really has become... It's state-run. It's complete indoctrination. It teaches people to answer questions and be obedient. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's about it. And um, if you compare what kids are learning now compared to just 100 years ago and what eighth graders were reading 100 years ago, it is appalling. And so I'm a big proponent of homeschooling. And the problem is 
you know, most people are so strapped financially just trying to keep it together. You know, like how can we possibly, you know, like mom maybe not work and homeschool. And and uh, anyway, I mean, my gosh, that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah. you know, this is where I see like we've lost our way. We've become our grandparents and great-grandparents, I see, have become really schnookered and have given up all their autonomy and now we are essentially wards of the state. I mean, we used mm-hmm. to grow our own food, and, and yeah. farms used to be dotted all over the place. And my goodness, if you know, if we had a national emergency, and there was, you know, the supermarkets closed down. I mean, it would be a disaster, right? And whereas, you know, if we were all still growing most of our own food, and we had neighbors with cows and chickens. You could have a national emergency, but it's like, ah, you knew you were eating. You knew you yeah. could eat, you know. Yeah. And so um, I, I'm all about the folk ways because I also teach. I, I work with private clients, and then I do. I teach a lot of classes about, you know, uh, you know, coming into this shamanic piece, this medicine uh, piece. Not in my classes don't necessarily. It's not necessarily about the mushroom, but just you know, coming into uh, greater connection with spirit, which we all are able to do, but also to embrace more of the folk ways, you know, and learning how to uh, grow food again and choosing the right foods and going back to more traditional foods, traditional uh, uh, medicines, herbs, that kind of thing, because this is the other thing. We used to, you know, just uh, there would be a local person who would help you heal from, or grandma knew, or, you know, I mean, we had knowledge of medicines that were, you know, just very common. And uh, and people also were very healthy, very, very yeah. healthy. It's only in the last century has the health deteriorated with these new foods and chemicals well, and all of this. Yeah, and the, and yeah. the GMOs. You know, so, so when you think about it, you know, between the, the fact that, you know, we, we're disconnected from nature, whether it be the plants or simply growing our own food, the educational system, the disinformation in the media, um, I mean, all of these different things. We're um, we, we are not living in a good uh, a good space. You know, it, it feels like we have um, given given up a whole lot for uh, I think technology and um, I don't know. I'm just going to call it the new world. But in, but I think so many of you know we've forgotten what we've lost. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know, I nothing but solutions. Now, I also see major corporate interests, which include the government is essentially a corporation who don't want those solutions being implemented, but eventually they're going to anyway. And and I see, you know, in terms of the mushroom, the mycelium, the mycelial network is all underground and it spreads like wildfire everywhere. And I see, you know, a lot of maybe sort of subversive uh, technology, if you will, in terms of water filtration, in terms of alternative uh, uh, electricity or alternative power, that kind of thing. That is um, showing up in a lot of interesting places. In other words, there are people who are sort of taking it upon themselves to, uh, you know, activate uh you know, change where it is needed. In other words, not waiting for our leaders or I think of them as misleaders to 
you know, to come to the rescue because that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. And so um, I, I I think it's very exciting, um, you know, when I see what's what's going on in terms of people, you know, demanding uh, certain foods, um, uh, buying up land and growing food in a certain way and making that available and uh, essentially calling back more of the folk ways because you know this is this is what we used to have and 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 you know we we had and we had elderly not so long ago who could outwalk you and me you know they yeah. were very hardy and hale you know yeah. up until the very end and so i i see us being able to get that back as more and more people awaken and begin to really kind of detach themselves from this construct which i think is like a truck rolling down a hill without the brakes because it's not sustainable. And is that what you meant by the spell that's being cast upon us, you know, this disconnect um, that that you're referring to, or or did you mean something else? Well, the spell is, that's a different deal. Um, There is uh, um, uh, social engineering, if you will, um, in terms of, you know, there are some folks out there who have decided that they know what's best for us. And so uh, through, you know, psychological techniques, they are essentially directing the show. I mean, you have to ask yourself, you know, who's, who's, who's putting out all this stuff in the media about, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, sexual preference and what's politically correct and all this nonsense and Mm -hmm. I mean I personally don't care what people's sexual preference is you know I just I support you wholeheartedly you know let's let's move on you know Um, and I get that you know people have suffered and whatnot but I mean my god it's just like it's so it's constant barrage of sort of politically correct and racism, sexism, homophobia, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I talk about this with my girls who are in high school, and I see what the schools are just, you know, slamming into my kids' faces and, and cultural appropriation and blah, blah, blah. So you think, who's directing this? You know, we actually have lived, you know, people are quite peaceful for the most part, but yet we are in a very warlike society. It's all about war, and it glorifies war, but, uh, you know, I mean, I have friends who, you know, pre-9-11 were in Iran, and people in Iran were saying, we don't hate Americans, we're around, you're here, come over for dinner. I mean, you go around the world, and people are lovely, and so, you know, I just, and so, but, but there is a definite social engineering, we see it in the media, we see it in the education we see it in the courts, uh, and so you just have to. I, I just I take that step back and I look at all of it, and I just I, I see it's a spell. It's a spell, and it's ultimately saying you can't trust yourself. You know, trust us. We know what's best for you. You don't, or you're just this. You're just this human. You're just you know whatever it is, which is another spell of that you humans are somehow a or a cancer on this earth. Yes, humans are making a mess. Many of of them are, and many are uh, working to create something very 
beautiful. And I feel, you know, we are actually an integral part of this planet. And uh, the planet reflects where we are at in our consciousness. And we can see it's kind of a mess out there. And and so, you know, we've got to uh, heal. And so... Uh, I'm all about the individual, and I'm all about direct connection to the sacred, and I'm about finding a good teacher if you need one, a good one, a good one who's a bit of an outlaw, um, you know, and and, and uh, who's not seduced by this new pope and that new president and that movie star. I mean, I just yeah. don't buy any of it, yeah. and I'm healthier for it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, it, it is it is crazy out there, and I agree with it, uh, so much of what you're saying. I mean, having traveled myself, you know, you go out there and you see these people, you know, you see other people, and they're not the other. You know, they're people just like you with the same needs and the same wants. You know, it's when uh, governments and corporations and religions and these institutions get involved. You know, it's the multinational corporations that, you know, can't refrain from behaving themselves, you know. So, yeah, I mean, if it were just up to the individuals, I'm sure life would be quite different, you know, without the Monsantos, without the Halliburtons, you know, without Exxon and Big Pharma and all the rest, you know. Uh, for for all the good they do, if you know, and some of them, I I you know I use that word uh, cautiously, loosely, um, you know, they do an awful lot of damage too, and um, I I think we've become uh, desensitized to what they do, as if they are entitled to do it. You know, it's like where is our outrage? Uh, but we've become um, uh, it, it's almost it, it, as if we, it, it, like we've drank the Kool-Aid or something, and uh, it, it's like they're sort of free to run amok, uh, if you will. Either that or, you know, we have just so totally lost control, um, which, well, it, I, you know, is another sort of conversation. But, uh, but I hear you. I think if we were left to our own devices, um, things would be quite different. It, it would be interesting to see the globe without, um, you know, these, uh, uh, you know, if, if we're all about the common good and not about, you know, corporations' bottom lines, you know, or uh, or one country having to dominate or be the policeman for the world kind of a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, I think there are other yeah, ways to I, do I mean, things. It makes me think of a couple of common sayings that are still around for a reason. And one of them says, nothing is as it seems. And the other one says, truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> and so, and I tell, when I teach my students, I explain, look, there is, we're, uh, you know, there, it's the rule of the coin. There's always two sides. So there's a story we're given. We're the muggles, I'm afraid. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then there's the story that the insiders have. So again, it's like there's that old saying, what is it? Believe none of what you see and half of what you hear or something like yeah. that, right? And so, and the other piece too is, you know, there's uh, an old movie called Merlin with Sam Neill. And there was a great scene where he's fighting with Queen 
uh, Mib, and uh, at one point they're having this huge fight in the castle, and all of a sudden, like, a light goes on in Merlin, and he realizes, oh, I know what to do here, and he's got all the people with him, and he turns his back on her. She's throwing him all this black magic, and, and everybody simply turns their back so that they are not giving their energy anymore mm-hmm. to her. Now, mm-hmm. never mind the fact that, you know, she is a sort of a, a Christian redaction of she's actually a sovereignty goddess and was not evil and blah, 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 and, you know, whatever. But, but this is how it was presented in this story. Um, so, in other words, you know, we have the buying power Truly, if if more and more people started calling back their sovereignty, their authority, um, started creating their own smaller communities, growing food, um, you know, uh, embracing folk medicine, if you will, and and starting to take steps, you know, where their health would improve as a result, and 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 so they were no longer supporting this corporate construct things would, can, and will change dramatically because, you know, we are supporting this, you know. And so uh, I'm very even by our Even by our inaction, you know. Uh, oh, You know, and I, I think, you know, we spend too much time on the couch maybe doing, playing with Facebook or uh, playing with our gadgets when, you know, there are so many more important things uh we could be out there doing not just for ourselves but for the you know for the greater good well i i, I do see all of this technology as as a, a trap as well um you know to keep because i do i do find it suspect about how constantly entertained we are constantly i mean sports and tv and movies and computers and uh and yeah, and yet there is so much to do. And I have often said, you know, to those people who feel like their life has no value and, you know, they don't know what they're doing here. And I, I say, no, wait a minute, I've got a job for you. I've got many, many jobs for you, you know, because we need <laughs> so much. We do the earth. Things do require action. There are people who, you know, are in, in desperate need of so many, many things, you know, that there really is no end to what, you know, we can do. There was an author, Andrew Harvey, and I heard him say once, find what breaks your heart the most and make that your passion. And I love that because, of course, it is overwhelming, right? There are so many problems, but then, you know, certain of us are drawn to certain things. You know, for, for me, my path is working with people who are suffering and, and, and helping them reclaim uh, what they came in here with in the first place so that they mm-hmm. can finally step into that and, and, and be that and uh, and then teach those who wish to come into this piece. And, and that is, you know, I find what I do one of the most natural things a woman can do because this was women like myself were in every every tribe imaginable from Europe to you know, Russia to, uh, you know, the Yucatan, you know, to the Philippines, you know. Um, this is old, old, old. And, yeah. uh, and and this is, you know, so when you and I were talking earlier, I mentioned the modern medicine woman. Well, we don't have our tribe anymore, and, you know, the construct we're in doesn't even recognize 
that kind of thing, and yet people respond to it anyway. Yeah. They respond to it anyway. This is, you know, a way of working with people on a spiritual level that recognizes their soul, that recognizes their 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 essence. And you know, as you were saying before, it's such a superficial society, and so people are thirsting for meaning, and they are, you know, they are feeling lost because I hear from a great many people who are exactly use that word. I'm I'm lost. I just don't, or empty. I don't or, or, empty. or empty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, how how long can you uh, occupy yourself with what the Kardashians are doing? You know, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> What? Uh and and I, I, I think, you know, this the signals and cues that we um you know uh, that we get from society really just uh sort of set us up for um more emptiness and I think so many people think if they keep buying things uh you know, they will uh fill that emptiness but that's just a temporary fix. Um it and is, uh, it's a trap. The whole thing is a trap. You know, sometimes I wonder, truly, I wonder, I'm like, are we? Because I, I don't know if you, if, if, there's the bardos. There, there's, uh, I think this is Buddhist, like when you die, then you pass through the bardos. It's like the hallway of 40 demons, you know. It's, it's sort of all your your unresolved stuff, right? And so if you get sucked in, then back you go on the karmic wheel. And sometimes I wonder, are we in the Bardos now? Like because there's so many diversions to keep you from actually realizing, you know, the beauty being that you are. You know, there's so many diversions, and most people really could care less anyway. They think that's nonsense, right? But yeah. I do sometimes wonder about that. <laughs> um, well, it, well, I mean, I think the thing that really made me start to think about it, you know, coming from it from a little bit different angle than you, um, you know, I, I think it's it, this the distractions are a strategy, you know, because when you look at what's going on out there in the world, you know, how we've let, uh, you know, how we have no democracy anymore, it's an oligarchy, um, how, you know, we, you know, bailed out the banks and, you know, we have these monopolies and, uh, you know, all of the, all of the different things, you know, kids, uh, you know, all of these kids on, um, you know, being uh, diagnosed with ADD and, you know, kids on drugs and, uh, I, I mean, just everything, you know, the constant war, uh, the the GMOs, the the fundamentalism, you know, all of this stuff, you know, it it just feels like um, it's it's distraction, you know, keeping us uh, from solving problems, and uh, you know, keeping us from really knowing who I'll use the word enemy, you know, uh, uh, you know, knowing the problems, knowing the real enemies. And because if, if, if with all the income disparity we have now, if people aren't out there marching in the streets right now with everything that's going wrong, what will it take, you know, seriously? Um, I, I mean, I guess it could get a lot worse, but uh, there's an awful lot messed up, and um, I just don't see enough people with the will to do much about it. And that's by design, and and that has... You know, I mean, I think this has been going on for the better part of the last century, just sort of like the slow-boiled frog, you know, done through the education system and disrupting and destroying communities, um, disrupting and destroying the family unit. And, 
you know, there's just, and then all the race baiting, and, and it's just all done to drive a wedge between people. And then if we have no community, um, mm-hmm. no cohesiveness as a people, then, yeah, you know, we're, we're profoundly weakened, which we are. And, and I really see uh, a returning to the old ways, I mean, in terms of calling back the folk medicine, calling back our connection to nature, calling mm-hmm. back our connection to our ancestors, calling back the true spirituality. And this is in, in, incredibly healing, incredibly empowering. And, and even, you know, working with these plants, people are being called to do that. Not everyone is, of course. But you know, it's, I see like a, a very important awakening uh, necessary, breaking that spell, being able to see how we are being played because I can assure you at every turn we are being played. And think of how recent, this has been in our lifetime, Karen, like yeah. massive, massive change. And I see also a joy that has been robbed from us. And joy is truly a birthright. And, and, you know, there's a fellow named Weston A. Price who's dead now. He was a dentist. And um, in the 30s, he went and studied 14 healthy cultures because they had perfect teeth, no cavities, beautiful jaws. And as a dentist, he was very interested in this, and he wanted to know what they were eating. Uh, But in any case, you know, these people were uh, not only in impeccable health and no cavities, but they were happy. They were happy. And he said at one point, you know what, we don't have anything to teach these folks. You know, like (laughs) we think we do. Oh, the great Western, you know, civilized Mm -hmm. culture. And yet, you know, those people, uh, he studied people from the Swiss and the Lochental Valley, which was more enclosed, you know, so they were more sort of on their own. Isolated. To, you know, the uh, Gales, you know, on the water in Ireland and, you know, people in the Philippines and whatnot. And, and I mean, these cult- it was just extraordinary what yeah. he uncovered, but they were health happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about, I mean, you were you were talking about all the, uh, you know, the things we're disconnected from. I mean, you know, we're just disconnected from each other, too. And and you think about people who, you know, are working two jobs or, um, you know, whether, uh, you know, you know, maybe the people who are working two jobs might by necessity or the people who work 12 hours a day because they want to, because they want, you know, to have a fatter wallet or more toys and trinkets. And, you know, I, I just think our values and the things that we think are important, um, you know, somehow that's gotten skewed. You know, we've been given the wrong message uh, for so long. And, you know, it's like we're these hamsters on a wheel. And because I, I don't know, I, I, I told my boss this one day, quite frankly, you know, because he's one of these people that, I mean, he's working for his inheritance. And, you know, he doesn't care if he works, you know, 12 and 16 hour days. You know, he doesn't care if he goes on vacation or goes to parties or, you know, goes to the movies. It's all about work. And I don't think that's what we were put here on this planet to do. What's the point? You know, I, I mean, what would really be the point? Well, think how relatively recent this is. Even cars and, and traffic. We've never had this before on this planet. People have never lived like this. No, I, I mean, I actually, 
it, to me, for all intents and purposes, it appears to be a slave race because that's all people do is yeah. work and they get jack up their credit cards and now they have become debt slaves. Just about everybody is a debt slave. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's extraordinary. It's breathtaking what has happened in such a short amount of time. And at the same time, you know, I just want to bring it back to there are extraordinary solutions to this. There are, but it's, it's like I think, you know, individually and collectively we have to wake up and, and we have to grow up. And I know, you know, for many of us who are on this path of awakening, it took an individual face slap. Like for me it was, you know, a marriage that failed. For other people it's an illness or the death of someone close, to, right? And it sort of slaps you awake and kind of out of your dreamlike state and you question everything, right? And then things change. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, mm, I think if we're going to see change collectively, we're going to need a collective face slap because the majority yeah. of people are still in really kind of, you know, that more sort of trance state. And I don't know, you know, what it's going to take to sort of get people to realize, you know, this has been slow-boiled frog, folks, and now we're in it up to our eyeballs. Right. And uh, a lot has to shift and our so-called leaders are not the people that they are portraying themselves to be. You know, again, nothing is as it seems. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it's like we have a parasite or a virus and, you know, we need to shine the light and see what that is. And, you know, shamanically, that is what I do. And it's not always pleasant. And, uh, you know, back to the owl, which is my ally, owls see in the dark. (laughs) <laughs> and and I've know I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I know a lot of people are really into owls. It's coming to a lot of people, men and women. And I think that's because collectively, it is time now for us. We what is that expression when you don't know? You're in the dark. We've been in the dark. It's time now to see in the dark because we cannot heal or correct what we cannot or will not see. There's plenty of people who just don't want to know. Yeah, they just yeah, don't they... want to go there. Whatever it is. Right. Right, and right. Yeah. So, you know, there is a level of maturity now that we need to uh uh embody, you know, and really take this head on and face what I think are, you know, uh overwhelming unpleasantries, if you will, and then, you know, deal with these things head on. And uh and we really need to help each other heal, uh, I find that there's quite a meanness in this culture now, and it's got quite a bite to it. And, uh, you know, I was in the Yucatan a few years ago, and I was I went to Palenque, which is uh, a, an amazing, extraordinary set of temples. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a woman who ruled 1,100 years ago, and she's known as the Red Queen, Lady Zak Cook. And so... I went there and I was able to procure a little bit of mushroom medicine. I was actually leading a group there with my shaman friend. And I, we had an agreement that he would take the group that day because I wanted to go talk to the Red Queen because by then I realized I can contact these beings through this medicine, this portal. And I did. And I asked her, why is there still so much suffering in the world and she said the question is not why the question is how how can we heal it and she said it begins it begins with 
gestures of kindness. And I said to her, because I talked to her the way I'm talking to you, and I said, well, you've got to understand something. I mean, you know, it's a mess here, and I do not think that the New World Order oligarchs are going to respond to gestures of kindness. And Mm -hmm. she said, it is not for them. She said, it is the common people who are suffering, and it is the common people who will respond to a gesture of kindness. And she said, do not underestimate the power of a kindness. Do not (laughs) underestimate it. And so uh, this is very profound because it seems so simple, but guess what? The solution is actually far more simple than we realized. Yeah. And Well, well, and I'm glad you brought it to that, you know, because it, it sort of takes us full circle in a sense, you know, because the sacred feminine, um, you know, the values of the sacred feminine, a lot of those were, you know, caring, sharing, partnership, you know, fairness, equality, justice. And, Nurturing. you know, I. Yeah, nurturing, you know, and, uh, you know, the Dalai Lama said it would be Western women who would save the world, and I said, with all due respect, I think it's actually not Western women necessarily, but uh, ideals of the feminine, you know, whether they come from men or they come from women, it's these ideals that can change the world, and I think that's in sync really with what the Red Queen said, you know. Um, You know, our politics has to reflect... Uh, you know those sorts of uh, ideas. You know new. You know to, so that we have social safety nets, and uh, you know we we feed poor children, and and we you know don't put money into war. We put money into you know maybe research and development to cure diseases, and um, you know take care of one another. You know I mean we have such vast wealth, and we're not spending it. I think on the right things. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I think the planet could the planet could be a utopia if um, yeah. you know somehow we could take money out of the equation if you know however that could happen you know and we really just tried to create the best communities possible. Um, I, I don't know you know I, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, well, I have been saying that uh, this is the garden. We're in the garden. <laughs> we just we have a beast in the garden, and it has gone unchecked. And I think it's gone unchecked for probably you know thousands of years. Certainly, these past several centuries, it's been really um, gaining momentum. And I see that as the commercial world. And I am not a socialist or a communist because that is the same virus. It's crap. Mm. Uh, but we, there is a price on everything, and you know essentially we have what used to be known as the merchant classes and they're in charge and all we and we once actually had noble uh kings certainly in Europe when you go back far far enough i'm talking you know pre-christianized pre-romanized pre-civilized Europe um that's not to say there wasn't infighting and that kind of thing because of course there was uh but there were uh noble Leaders, and they would actually. Uh, this is very interesting. I just did a lot of research on this in the uh, British Isles, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, the king would marry the goddess of the land, mm-hmm. known as the sovereignty goddess. He would marry. He would do a, a ritual ceremony of marrying the land, mm-hmm. and so he was in service, not yeah. 
rock star politician perverted whatever he was in service to the land and its people and so we don't have leaders like that right now no well i mean they used to be called public servants but now they just serve themselves Yeah, 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 yeah. That's because yeah, things have switched dramatically. But we have the merchant class essentially in charge. The banks are running the Mm -hmm. show, and so we need to uh, shift this uh, dramatically. (laughs) And so, well, you know, I I think think I I think people are waking up, though. You know, I do. I I mean, I think that's that's the paradigm shift that uh, that we've been talking about, and it, it doesn't feel like it's coming fast enough. But I think. Uh, I think more and more people are, are waking up. I mean, I hear it just by the people like you who come on the show. You know, when everybody's got maybe a different little take on it and a different piece of the puzzle, but uh, I think collectively, um, you know, there's a lot of way showers out there. That's exactly right. I say it's the biggest news you'll never hear. And it, it's <laughs> happening around the world and more and more people are seeing and more and more people are shaking their head going, you know what, those guys are lying through their teeth. And, you know, that event, that didn't even really happen. That stage, what are they doing? What exactly are they doing? You know, and the more people start to really uh, catch a clue here and realize, you know, we've got to run these guys out of Dodge. You know, we have, to, we have to start learning how the legal system functions. We have to learn how, to, how the commercial system functions. This is something else that I've been teaching myself, and there is uh, a saying that I live by. It says, every man has two educations. The first he is given. The second, more important, he gives to himself. And so back to that, you know, ridiculous, you know, public school, quote-unquote, education, or even private school, um, you know, we have to sort of take a step back from that as well and and, and realize, you know what, we've got to, again, Look back to the ancients. Look to the wisdom of the ancients. What were they teaching us? Because it's so very relevant today, and we've lost it. And we've so many of the indigenous, that. some of the, so many of the indigenous people, you know, who have been disregarded, you know, have never forgotten it. Yeah, you know, we talk about that here a lot. You know, it's about um, having to take responsibility, uh, you know, for our own education. And you know, dare I say that maybe even what we're seeing in the presidential campaign with people rejecting the um the status quo in a sense you know they're rejecting the uh you know the republicans are going for trump because he's not an establishment um candidate and the left more more and more i'm seeing are going for bernie sanders because again he's not the establishment candidate he's you know anti-establishment i think that's even a reflection of people resisting um continuing going down the path we've been going down it it is and yet it's the same system and donald trump is doing exactly what he's being um he's hired to do he's playing his character to the hilt and having a great time at it and they're all having a good laugh behind doors um and uh but, you know the system itself is is hugely flawed i well, mean I, really yeah. it's like the whole thing needs the heave ho and and you know that's a tall order and that will take a wake up of a great many people you know, who, and, and I don't know that people are necessarily ready yet, you know, to maybe embrace something that we had for a very brief moment, which was a republic, 
<laughs> you know, where people were very, very autonomous. Um, but that that's a whole different mindset that we've totally gotten away from. And yeah, we, we we've sort I, of relinquished our um, our personal responsibility. I think. Mhm. Right, right, right. And that takes you know that's sovereignty, and most people would rather you know kind of be led by the nose. Yeah. And so you know it's going to be very interesting because it, I mean I think it's a fascinating time to be alive right now because. So much is changing rapidly, and at the same time, uh, you know, there also I see more and more people starting to look backward to the wisdom of the past, Mm -hmm. saying, wait a minute, we're missing a big piece here, and and how can we get this back, and how would it look, and... Yeah. Well, that's 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 one of the talks I gave at the Parliament. It's about reawakening our earliest sacred stories because so much of the goddess mythology actually did give us, you know, uh, a template. You know, mm-hmm. but we are we we are about out of time, um, and uh, I'd let us go a bit longer because we kind of got a late start. But um, you know, I give you the last word here, and if you'd like to use that to mention your books again or or something else, uh, you know, maybe we haven't talked about that you think, um, you know, uh, maybe just as sort of a wrap, if uh, you want to take a minute or two, um, I turn it over to you. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Karen. Well, I will say my website again is shaunahome.com. And my book is called Love and Spirit Medicine. I have another book before that called Eshell Wisdom, Seven Teachings from the Mayan Sacred Feminine. Uh, I work one-on-one. My book, is, my work is very probing and also very revelatory and ultimately profoundly healing. And I would say that just to remember, as I tell, remind my students and the people who work with me, remember, it's a thick spell out there, and yet it is but a spell, and spells only work if you believe in them, truly. And so once you start gaining eyes to see and ears to hear and recognizing uh, what is going on right in front of you, all of a sudden you, you think, my God, I can see, I can catch you, I can see, or you catch yourself, because we cast spells on ourselves all the time. We tell ourselves a certain story and then we end up living it, you know, over and over and over. And we, you know, miss accessing what I call the original issue, what we showed up here with, all that magic as a baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. In other words, there's so much more for us to tap. And and this is what I find uh, very exciting about being alive right now, that as much of a mess as it is, there's so much untapped within us and uh, within the world around us. And I think that this, in this information age, this is the time when I think we can turn that corner truly. I agree. So, so, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, yeah. let, let us let us please uh, stay in touch. And um, uh, you know, you're always welcome back on. You know, uh, we can continue this conversation or take it another direction some other time. But uh, thank you so very much uh, for sharing your wisdom tonight. You are most definitely uh, one of what we call here the cognitive minority. Uh, those of us <laughs> who uh, know things have to change, maybe 
even have some ideas about what it needs to change into, and we're just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. <laughs> so, so thank you so much, Shona. I really uh, appreciate uh, you being on the show tonight. Oh, thank you, Karen. I, I absolutely love talking with you, and I think we could go for hours. So thank you. Probably. And and again, I apologize for the technical difficulties in the beginning. I'm glad it all worked out. Oh, yeah, no problem. All right. Well, a very happy New Year to you, Karen. Thank you again. Thank you. Same to you, and good night. Good night. Well, uh, it uh, we are coming uh, to the second half of the show, and uh, actually it's not a whole half. We uh, probably only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to make sure I shared some things with you. Uh, first, uh, from Pat, uh, comes the eve of midwinter, and I promised I would read this to you um, uh, for your listening pleasure. It, it feels appropriate at this time of the year, so uh, this is by a Aurora Borealis Medicine Turkey. And uh, it goes like this, the eve of midwinter. "'Twas the eve of midwinter, and all through the coven, the witches were cooking strange things in the oven. There were mugwort frittatas and dragon's blood stew and mescaline eggnog and mandrake fondue. There was a hot mountain... Uh, there were hot mountain oysters and roadkill pate and spotted owl kidneys and wombat flambe. The circle was cast and the herbs had been smoked in the hopes that the goddess would soon be invoked. When out by the hot tub arose such a clatter, I jumped on my broom to see what was the matter. And what should I see in the blackberry thorns but a soaking wet goddess and eight unicorns? I was just sitting down with my vibrating phallus and a good book, she muttered, you bitches are callous. I came when you called over all my objections and got lost in the woods. You give lousy directions. You turkeys invoked me. Now look at my dress. My period's late and I've got PMS. She cursed and she muttered. She looked like a wreck. The unicorns whimpered and shat on the deck. We gave her some weed and we got her some grub. We brought her clean towels, and she soaked in the tub. Then she rose, hot and dripping, and gave us her blessing, and jumped in her chariot without even dressing. On Isis, on Eris, Oya, and Astarte, on Ishtar, Inanna, Kali, Hecate, we hear her exclaim as she climbed through the air, thank goddess there's only eight Sabbaths a year. <laughs> so that uh, so thank you Pat for sending that into the show. And um before we go tonight, uh I wanted to just uh make sure you know about uh, the great book out by Joe Carson called Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth and Love on the Ferriferia Path. Uh it's not out very long. It's a new book and uh Ferriferia calls itself a love culture for wilderness. And it connects you to the fairy spirits of the land and the stars around you. And it aims to create a, a paradisal sanctuaries uh, all over the earth. Uh, rooted in ancient Creek, the Eleusin mysteries, troubadour practices, and megalithic traditions, Ferriferia celebrates the goddess as the merry maiden called Kore. With laughter and play, they say that Kore carries keys to the future. 
Um, here are a few quotes from Jason uh, Mankey about Celebrate Wildness. Uh, Jason has been involved with paganism for the last 20 years and has spent the last 10 as a speaker, writer, and high priest. And he uh, said this about uh, Celebrate Wildness. He said, I began wildness reluctantly, but within about 15 minutes, I was all in and found myself absolutely entranced by its pages. Uh, Some of that is no doubt due to the beautiful artwork of Fred Adams that just about leaps off the page. Why aren't all of the images in this book available as fine quality prints to hang around my ritual space? But this book is more than the art. It's wonderfully written and really serves as a comprehensive how-to on Ferifaria. There's a lot of great history in here as well, but it's the doing and the philosophies that grabbed me. So, uh, sort of in alignment with what we've been talking about with Shona, the uh, you know the modern medicine woman uh, falls right in line with um, what we were talking about reconnecting. Uh, to go on here, Jason said, um, I was worried I'd find Ferifaria remote and hard to understand or rather dated as a philosophy, and I'll happily admit to being completely wrong. I found so much of my own belief within the pages of wildness that I'm actively planning to incorporate some of it into my own coven work. Fred and Svetlana's vision from 50 years ago is just as urgent and as beautiful today as it was back then. The Ferifarian vision as it relates to the Wheel of the Year is one I think most pagans would benefit from. So, Celebrate Wildness uh, is uh, a hardcover art book printed on heavy paper with images of the goddess, photos, symbols, diagrams on almost every page. It would make a fabulous book. It would make a fabulous coffee table book. Uh, you really might want to have this in your library. It's available from uh, the Ferraferia website uh, at ferraferia.org, and I'll spell that for you. It's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And... Um, you know, I'm not sure if you heard the opening of the show, uh, come to think of it now. Uh, I have a feeling I might have been talking to myself rather than talking to you. Uh, I was just commenting on how fast the year had flown, and uh, here we were at the end of the year. And um, I hoped uh, you had maybe caught the last two shows that uh, that I did with Rianne Eisler and uh, Richard Wolf. Uh, if you haven't, please go back and uh and, and have a listen, even though Rianne Eisler and I are, have a difference of opinion on who should be the next president. She's uh, voting for Hillary, and I'm voting for Bernie. Um, I didn't stir that pot too much because she is a mentor of mine, and uh, I don't think she's really uh, had a chance to see what Bernie's really about. I think she's actually uh, believing the Republican talking points when it comes to him, but I know how much it means to her to have a woman in the White House. Um, so anyway, um, uh, yes, please, uh, catch the last two shows, and uh, I want to thank um, tonight's artist, uh, Elaine Silver, for the use of her music, By the Earth, and Pat uh, for sending in Aurora, uh, Aurora Borealis, Medicine Turkey's wonderful Eve of Midwinter poem that I read to you. And, um, you know, most important, uh, I want you to think about this quote of mine. You know, the great she is challenging us to do what's right for the most of us for the sake of humanity and the planet. Yeah, I think that kind of is in sync with what Shona and I were talking about too, isn't it? So, 
um, I think that will do it for uh, 2015, uh, my dear listeners. Uh, thank you so much for uh, your listener loyalty and uh, for tuning in tonight and uh, and every week and for downloading all the shows. Uh, I hope uh, in the coming year, if you're in Orange County, you will check out the beautiful Goddess Temple there in Irvine, uh, open to the public Friday and Saturday afternoons for meditation and uh, viewing uh, viewing the beautiful museum exhibits of Goddess from the Paleolithic to the present. Um, there's Goddess Spiritual Celebration services every Sunday, rain or shine, 11 uh, fourth Sunday is for all genders, all other Sundays for adult women. And every Friday from 5 to 7, you can enjoy the Temple's Venus Hour, which is Orange County's best happy hour, uh, happy hour with libations, snacks, music, movies, and meeting new people. And it's all free. And uh, for more information, visit uh, Goddess Temple oc.org goddesstempleoc.org and if you didn't hear the opening to the show I was uh, telling you that I'm contemplating opening up the chat room in the future if that's something you would be interested in um, uh, and actually participating in let me know and if enough people would actively participate in the chat room uh, we can open it up and I'm wondering if you're liking the audio book series that uh, I've started putting uh, on Voices of the Sacred Feminine because uh, you said uh, you'd like to actually hear the chapters of Goddess Calling rather than uh, sometimes read the book because if it's um, taped, then you can multitask. You can listen while you're doing something else. So there are two episodes up. Uh, there is um, Separating Truth from Myth and also uh, Resolutions and Return of the Light. So, so far, two are up, and a new one will go up every two to three weeks um, as I select uh, certain chapters, um, whether they be messages or meditations from my book, Goddess Calling, um, to put in the audiobook series. Um, it, the audiobook series will not ever include the whole book. It'll just be selected messages or meditations. Well, I hope you had a wonderful uh, Christmas week, and uh, in a few days here, it will be New Year's. I will be spending it with good friends, doing some manifestation magic, and um, setting some intentions uh, for the coming year. And I would imagine you're probably going to be doing something similar. So have a safe holiday. Um, do your best to enjoy yourself and uh, make your own new traditions rather than maybe continuing ones that don't nourish you. And I will be back with you next year. Yes, how does that sound? I will be back with you next year. And the first two Wednesdays of January, I will have Dr. James Rietfeld with me. Uh, yes, for two weeks in a row, the first and second Wednesday of the month. And we are going to be talking goddess talk. Um, we're going to talk about... Um, Ah, well, uh, the disinformation that's out there about Islam, uh, which I think uh, is a timely topic. And we're also going to be talking about um, uh, how we are certain and, and what archaeological proof there actually is uh, of goddess worship. And uh, I know that can be a controversial subject. 
but Dr. Reed Feld, um, I believe, will uh, fill us in on uh, the facts that you can use when you're talking to naysayers when they say, oh, that's all just a bunch of feminist fantasy or hokum, because it isn't. It isn't, and there's archaeological evidence to uh, support um, you know, goddess spirituality, egalitarian societies, all that sort of stuff that uh, I believe most of us uh, believe, but uh, you know, sometimes we've had, had difficulty as people like Maria Gimbutas um, have been um, marginalized. So um, I think uh, I will close on that note and uh, look forward to having you with us uh, in January. And uh, I'll go back to uh, Elaine Silver uh, to close out the show and let you hear the rest of that song that I believe started out the hour called By the Earth. So here it is. Enjoy, and I'll see you in 2016. Good night. By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, By the fire that is her bright spirit, by the living waters of her womb. May the peace of the goddess be forever in your heart. The circle is open but unbroken, merry meet and merry part. By the earth that is her body, By the air that is her breath, by the fire that is her bright spirit, by the living waters of her womb, may the peace of the fairies be forever in your heart. The circle is open but unbroken, merry meet and merry part. By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, by the fire that is her bright spirit, by the living waters of her bright spirit, may the peace of the goddess be forever in your heart. The circle is open, but unbroken, merry meet and merry. By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, by the fire that is her bright spirit, by the loving waters of her bright spirit, may the peace of the fairies be Yeah.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.